Good morning, church. I tell you every week that I love you and I appreciate you. And this month is all about appreciation. This month is all about Thanksgiving and gratitude. We're starting a new series. And I want to challenge you and encourage you as part of this series every single day this month, all 30 days. And today's the first day of the month. And we can start today and write down something for which you're thankful. And if you're on social media, well... If you're not on social media, congratulations. Keep up the good work, right? You know, but if you are on social media, share something for which you're thankful every day this month. That's my challenge, my encouragement to you because we need it, don't we? We need the encouragement of thanksgiving. Not only is it good for you to give thanks, it's good for others to hear your thanksgiving. It's good for others to hear your Gratitude, Because I don't know if you know this or not, but I guess there's some sort of election going on this week, right? And, and with that will come discouragement and disappointment and complaint. No matter how things go this week, there will be those who will be incredibly discouraged and disappointed. And they will need to hear your gratitude. They will need to hear your thanksgiving. And obviously, we all know that ever since this year began, it seems like nothing has been normal, and we're all tired of it, right? We're tired of people getting sick. We're tired of wearing masks. We're tired of social distancing. We're tired of things not feeling normal. I'm tired of not being able to eat in Chick-fil-A, you know? I mean, there's all kinds of things that we're, we're tired of, and we're exhausted, and we're ready for change, and we're ready for things to be the way we want them to be, and people desperately need to hear your gratitude. They need to hear your thanksgiving. But let's be honest, it's, it's hard right now. It's hard at certain periods of our life, certain eras of our life to find things to be thankful for. It's a whole lot easier it's a whole lot easier right now to find things to complain about, right? I mean, you could throw a rock in any direction and you're going to hit something to complain about, right? You're going to, it's really easy. It's really easy to find someone to blame, to find someone to complain about, to find something to complain about, to find something to say, I don't like this. And that's fine, right? I mean, there's, there's a time to acknowledge the things that we don't like and the things that we wish were different. But there's also a time to find things to be thankful for. And not only is it good for you to express that thanksgiving, it's good for others to hear that thanksgiving. But here's a thought that I, I think will describe the psalm we're going to look at this morning and I think might fit our time we're at in our life right now. It's easiest to give thanks in the sunshine, right? It's easy to give thanks when the sun is shining, but most important to give thanks in the storm. That's what I want us to think about this morning. It's easiest to give thanks in the sunshine, but it's most important to give thanks in the storm. It's most important for you in the midst of the storm to find things to be thankful for. It's most important for you to find things to be grateful for in the midst of the storm. And it's also most important for the people in your life to hear you give thanks in the midst of the storm, regardless of our circumstances, we give 
thanks. Isn't that what James tells us in the first chapter of James? Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. There is so much to give thanks for, even in the midst of the storm. And that's when it's most important to give thanks. But, but that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we have to be a Pollyanna, right? It doesn't mean that we have to dismiss. It doesn't mean we have to ignore the things that are wrong. It doesn't mean being hopelessly optimistic where we say things aren't really so bad. We, we can acknowledge the things that are bad and the things that are broken and the things that hurt and the things that we don't like. But in spite of those things, we give thanks. And this is what is incredibly important for us and for others. Because let's face it, I mean, people are already aware of the things that are wrong, right? I mean, people, I don't have to get up here and remind you of everything that we're tired of and, and all the reasons we have to complain because we're already aware of those things. And guess what? So is everybody else around us, right? And it can feel really good to complain and just get it out and just gripe about everything that's going on in the world and in our life and everything that we're dealing with. But people need to be built up. People need to be encouraged, and you can participate in that. Imagine that. Imagine the power that you have, the power of your words that they hear you say or the words that, that you type out on a screen. You have the power to help influence the way people look at the world. You have the power to help influence the, the way people live their day simply by finding the things to, to give thanks about in the midst of the storm. So let's look at Psalm 57, and we might call this a psalm for the storm, right? We might call this a psalm for the storm. And I want to look at five things from this psalm that we can give thanks for even in the most difficult times, okay? So I want to give you five things this morning because you might be struggling. I don't really know what to give thanks for. So here's five. This can be your first five days if you want them to be. You can, you can rejoice in these things no matter how bad things might be. So Psalm 57 verse 1, David says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I just want to break that down just a second before I give you the, the thing for which to be thankful. But he says, in you my soul takes refuge. And this might be just kind of a side note, but remember when you're reading in the Bible and you read the word soul, it's not talking about a disembodied spirit, right? Your soul is your whole self, your life, your whole self. So when David says, my soul takes refuge in you, he isn't talking about his spirit, like this invisible part of me. He's talking about my whole self. My whole self takes refuge in you. And I love this metaphor of the shadow of your wings, like a, like a mama bird, right? Like a hen gathers her chicks. And David says, that's how you are for me. And I take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And you fulfill your promises for me. You fulfill your purpose for me. God is a God who keeps his promises. And just as God had a purpose for King David, he had a purpose for all Israel, right? 
And God kept his purpose for all Israel. So the whole congregation of God's people could sing this psalm generation after generation after generation. Long after this particular storm had passed by, there would be other storms. And that's life, isn't it? After this storm passes, there'll be another one. Don't worry, there's another one coming. But guess what? God will be there to shelter you in the shadow of his wings. And he has a purpose for his people. He has a purpose for us and God will fulfill his purpose for us. God cannot lose. His purposes cannot fail. His purposes for us will not fail regardless of how big the storm is. So number one, the first thing for which we can give thanks is I can be thankful that God is my place of refuge. How about you? No matter how big the storm is, no matter how bad the storm is, no matter how scary the storm is, this isn't to discount the storm because some of you are going through something so much bigger than just not being able to eat in Chick-fil-A, right? You've got some very big, some very hard, some very real problems. But God is your place of refuge today and every single day. So no matter how big and bad and scary and hard and difficult and challenging the storm may be, thank God that you have a refuge and it is him. He is your refuge and sometimes we say things like that but it just sounds so cliche and it just sounds so you know just like a pat answer but this this is what will get us through this is our foundation this is our reality and recognizing this reality that this reality is the reality that will never end the pandemic will end Whoever is elected president, his term will come to an end, right? No matter what happens, no matter what storm may be, that storm will come to an end. Whatever happens in this life, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, it's it's going to run its course. But this truth will not run its course. God is our refuge. And that truth will never come to an end. So our life doesn't have to be a roller coaster of ups and downs. These storms come and go, but God in his merciful ways, God in his sheltering ways will always be the reality. Look at verse 3. He says, he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. I love that word, send. He will send. And the Psalms talk, in fact, all throughout scripture, and that'll be part of our series this month, God's steadfast love, his chesed, his chesed, his steadfast love. And that's always God's character. And that's always the way the biblical authors talk about the character of God. He is a God of steadfast love, and faithfulness, a love that doesn't end, a love that doesn't waver, a love that's not fickle, steadfast and faithful, steadfast love. 
But in, in, in this psalm, he talks about sending out. That it isn't just God's character. It's something that God sends to the rescue. He sends his steadfast love. He sends his faithfulness. And, 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 and we might think of all kinds of ways that that could be true. How that could be true for David. How God sent out his steadfast love and his faithfulness to rescue David in his times of trial. Or how God sent out his steadfast love and faithfulness to rescue Israel. And how many times that's been true. But for us, standing here after the cross, how... How much more so is that true in what Jesus has done? How much more so is that true what God has done through Jesus? Jesus is the embodiment of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. And he has sent him out. So number two is this. I'm thankful God sends help when I'm in trouble. I'm thankful God sends help when I'm in trouble. And we could talk about these temporary small things. And, you know, I was in this trouble and I prayed to God and God helped me. But ultimately, big picture, the help that God sends, the steadfast love that God sends, the faithfulness that God sends is Jesus. I love the Gospel of John. In fact, we spent a whole year looking at the Gospel of John and that's one of the themes. Jesus says in John 6 and verse 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Sent me. The psalmist prays, God, send your steadfast love. Send your faithfulness. Send help. Send rescuing. And so this is what we thank God for. We thank God for this, that God has sent his steadfast love. God has sent his faithfulness to help us in trouble. And this whole month, I want to think about this fact that gratitude for the past, and we thank God, we thank God for everything he's done in the past. It gives us courage for the present and the future, doesn't it? That, that's why we could say, I, I know this is going to be okay. I, I know I'm all right. I know I will live forever. I know I'll be raised from the dead. I know God will rescue me from whatever. If I get a diagnosis today that says my life is about to come to an end and I die, I know I will be raised from the dead and live forever. I know he will rescue me even from death. Why? Because of what he's already done. Because the resurrection has already begun in Jesus. Because he's already sent his steadfast love and faithfulness. And so I know no matter what trouble I get into, no matter what happens right now, God will rescue me. We have to think and we have to talk and we have to share and we have to post as people who know this truth, don't we? People who know I am thankful God sends help when I'm in trouble. Look at verse 4. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Now, now notice the metaphor. He says, I'm, I'm in a lion's den, but he's not talking about a lion's den like Daniel was in. He's talking about being in a metaphorical lion's den. Because these aren't lions. These are people who are like lions whose mouths, 
whose words are like swords and arrows. You've been there? You experienced that? Your friends, your family, your neighbors, people in your community, in your world, whose teeth and spears are, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. But, but notice this truth. Number three, I'm thankful I can acknowledge the dangers and difficulties without losing faith. That's what David does. That's what the psalmist does, right? He acknowledges the dangers and difficulties, but he hasn't lost faith. Sometimes I think that we, we think we have to be like Pollyanna. I, I talk bad about Pollyanna, but, you know, poor Pollyanna. But, but sometimes we, 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 we have this idea that if we're going to be grateful people and we're going to be thankful people, that we can't acknowledge the dangers and difficulties of life. But nothing could be further from the truth. You can acknowledge the dangers and difficulties of life. You can acknowledge how big the storm is as long as you also acknowledge that your God is bigger, right? God is bigger than the storm. God is stronger than the dangers. That that doesn't mean that it's not dangerous. And it doesn't mean it's not difficult. And it doesn't mean it's not hard. And it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to enjoy it. It doesn't mean you have to dismiss it. It doesn't mean you can't say it. You can say this is hard and this stinks and I don't like it and I'm tired of it and this is dangerous and this is difficult and this is no fun and it's okay. You haven't lost faith. Do we put ourselves in that position sometimes where we feel like we can't be honest about what we're going through? We feel like we can't be honest about how difficult or how dangerous or how discouraging something is. I think we do. We put ourselves into that position. So it's okay to acknowledge this is hard without losing faith. So I'm I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that scripture gives us permission to say when something is dangerous, to say when something is difficult, to say when something is discouraging. Look at verse 5. He says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Just a couple things on those verses real quick. He says, your glory, let your glory be over all the earth. Now, when when he talks about glory, he's talking about God's, literally his weight. But it's the evidence of God's nobility, the evidence of God's royalty, the the evidence of God's reign. Like a king, a king's crown, when we think about a king, we automatically think of a crown, don't we? And the bigger the crown, the the bigger and badder the king, right? And so the, the crown is evidence. It's a manifestation of the king's glory, of his reign, of his rule. And so the psalmist prays, let your your crown, let your glory be over all the earth. Let your glory be over all of the earth. And then he prays for the destruction of his enemies. He he prays for their wickedness and evil to end. And notice the way that not only this psalm, but most of scripture talks about the way God punishes people is letting them fall into their own trap. 
I always think about Wiley e. Coyote. You remember Wiley e. Coyote and, and uh, the, the Roadrunner? And he'd always set a trap for the Roadrunner. And then always, always, the, the Coyote it would fall into his own trap. It, he would blow himself up every single time. We call that poetic justice, right? It, he got what he deserved. And what he set for someone else, it sprang on him. Well, let me tell you something. God invented poetic justice. And eventually, eventually, all evil will spring on itself. It will destroy itself. God will allow and God will make sure that all evil is dealt with. And that's what I'm thankful for. Number four, I'm thankful God will deal with evil. Aren't you? I'm thankful God will deal with evil. That's the only way, church. That's the only way. That knowledge, embracing that truth, is the only way we can turn the other cheek. It's the only way we can turn the other cheek. It's the only way we can go the extra mile. Jesus says, when somebody forces you to go a mile with them, you go two. Somebody wants to sue you and take one piece of clothing, you give them your other one too. The only way you can love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, the only way is knowing that God will set everything right. God will deal with all evil. You don't have to worry. Some of us feel like if I don't stand up and fight this evil, then, then evil's going to win and evil's going to prevail. Nonsense. That's not biblical. That's not gospel. Gospel is God rules and reigns and evil cannot prevail. It cannot prevail. That doesn't mean we participate with it, obviously. But it does mean we don't fret over the evildoers. <sighs> Just take it off your shoulders, right? Just take it off your shoulders. You don't have to worry. God will deal with evil. And no matter how bad it looks, no matter how big and scary the enemy may look, the enemy cannot win. Evil cannot win. Evil cannot prevail. God wins. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Our God rules and reigns and evil cannot win. Imagine. Imagine the confidence and the gratitude and the thanksgiving and the joy with which you could live your life in spite of the way things appear to be. Evil cannot prevail. Evil cannot win. We, we could be thankful for that every minute of every day, no matter what's going on in the world. Doesn't mean we like when evildoers seem to prosper. Of course not. It doesn't mean we like when evildoers do hurtful, evil things. Of course not. But it do, does mean we know how the story ends. We know who wins. Look at verse 7. He says, my heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O oh harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. So, at one time, he's talking about God's glory, and here he talks about his own glory. The psalmist, David's own glory, his own rule, his own reign, his own nobility, his own royalty. And he's going to awake his glory, awake his weight, and use his weight to praise God, to praise the Lord. In fact, he says, I will awake the dawn I will, verse 9, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. 
For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let your rule and your reign, let your crown be over all the earth. And that's what I'm thankful for. Number five, I'm thankful God rules over the earth. Isn't that the gospel? That God's rule and reign has been established in his anointed one, Jesus, so that God's kingdom has come, is coming, will come, that God has established his rule and reign over the earth. I mean, imagine, imagine, we're talking about Israel, this tiny little speck of a place where Yahweh, the true creator God, was known in this tiny little nation, 7,000 miles from here. And now, and now, and now, way over here on the other side of the world, here we are worshiping Yahweh. He rules and reigns over us. His glory has extended over the world and we pray for it to extend even further. We pray, may your name be hallowed. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is why we give thanks We're thankful God rules over the earth. We're thankful. Jesus says, Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, to him. And we know that that is true. No matter what's happening in the world, no matter how dark the storm, no matter how scary, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how dangerous, God rules through his anointed one, Jesus. You know, we say things all the time. We say, well, no matter who's in the White House, Jesus is on the throne. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Is that your your rock-steady foundational truth that gets you through everything? No matter who's in the White House, Jesus is on the throne. No No matter what is happening in the world, Jesus reigns. That's the good news. The good news is God has already won. The victory has already been claimed. And so, yes, we have to be people that acknowledge evil and brokenness and wrong and sin and darkness and difficulty and danger. Yes, we acknowledge those things. But it doesn't diminish the truth that God reigns. We are good news people, right? We are gospel people. That's what gospel means is good news. We have to live and talk like good news people. Notice in that last verse, he said, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. It's right sometimes to complain. I'm not saying there's not a time to complain. There's a time to complain. But notice that the scriptures never say, I will complain among the peoples. I will complain among the nations. Never. They need to hear us give thanks. The world needs to hear the good news that God rules over the earth, that Jesus is on his throne. Let's not be people that are tossed to and fro every time something new happens. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Why? Because God's glory is over the earth. So let's recap. Five things to be thankful for in the midst of the storm. Number one, 
My God is my place of refuge. God is my place of refuge. God is your place of refuge. God sends help when I am in trouble. I can acknowledge dangers and difficulties without losing faith. Number four, God will deal with all evil. It cannot win. It cannot prevail. And number five, God rules over the earth. Again, we're in a storm. And it's hard. And it's difficult. And it's challenging. Nobody's saying that it's not. And after this storm, there might be another one. But these things will not change. These things are always true. So let's end the way we began. By acknowledging that it's easiest to give thanks in the sunshine. But most important, to give thanks in the storm. It's easy to give thanks when the sun is shining. But it's most important that we give thanks in the storm. It's most important for you to give thanks in the storm. It's most important for us as the church to build each other up, to encourage each other in the midst of the storm by giving thanks to God for all of the things that continue to be true. And it's good for the nations. It's good for the peoples. It's good for the world to hear the good news people giving thanks to our God. They need to hear our gratitude. They need to hear our thanks. They need to see our steadfast love, to see our steadfast heart. Because we remember, that's what Christianity is all about. It's it's a religion of remembrance. We remember what God has done. Not only all of the stories of Scripture, but especially what he has done for us in Jesus. And by remembering what he has done in the past, we have courage for the present. We have courage for the future. We know that our God reigns. And we know that he is and will always be victorious. So let's not lose sight of that fact, church. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to claim the victory by being baptized into Jesus and starting your life anew, committing yourself to him in baptism, or maybe you're just discouraged. And church, that's okay. You don't have to be ashamed of being discouraged. We've all been discouraged. The Psalms are filled with acknowledgments of discouragement. And so if you're discouraged, let us know how we can help you. Let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know how together we can remind ourselves of the things that continue to be true even in the midst of the storm. So if we can help you in any way while we stand and sing this song, you can meet with our shepherds at the information table. Let's stand and let's sing this final song.